0: welcome to the geek to geek podcast where we smash that subscribe button i'm void and i'm here with my co-host Beige. a bj has joined the battle okay uh today we're talking about subscriptions a little bit subscription models subscription model madness the age of subscription models something like that um and this comes from actually one of our listeners on discord so it was from js tech geek he had an episode idea basically about like how subscription models these days are just like Madness, you know, every service out there seems to have some kind of subscription route that they're going now. Um, and he said that he was just like feeling, or she, I guess I don't know for sure. Um, but they said that they were just like feeling frustrated, you know, because it's obviously this lucrative business model, but it's not really great for consumers necessarily. And just what do these companies expect that we're just going to keep like adding model or like subscription after subscription? Um, so we wanted to touch on that because it's an interesting topic, especially as more and more subscription services are emerging. It feels like every day.
1: Yeah, it's constant that that I'm getting to the point where I'm frustrated With the number of subscription services that are out there, but I also get excited when new ones start to come out, you know, it's I'm really torn on the whole subscription thing.
0: Me too. I mean, the one that was top of mind as we were like setting up the show notes for this was Disney Plus just because it was right after the like D23 announcements had just come out Um But then the other thing that was coming out today as of when we're recording was more information about the Apple subscription services. So they have their video subscription streaming. They have their Apple Arcade that's coming out, too. I haven't
1: even heard about that. You have that in the notes, and I purposefully didn't look it up because I wanted to ask you about it. I have not heard about Apple Arcade. So it's essentially you pay Apple a fixed cost
0: per month. I think everyone was thinking that it was going to be like five dollars based on the early leaks. I don't know if they officially announced it today because I've been working all day, a little behind on announcements. Yeah. So it's probably in that 5 to 10 dollars a month range. It is a subscription that applies for your entire family plan and so like all of your family sharing and you just get full access to all of the games through this Apple Arcade. And it's basically none of them will have in-app purchases, none of them will have extra charges. Like you're paying it all up front. So Apple can take all that money and just fund game development and it hmm. can just be straight up games, you know, that don't have to have all these other models basically
1: it does not sound like it will necessarily be my thing but i hope but it sounds like it'll be somebody's thing
0: yeah i mean i'm interested in it because i like mobile games i'm always trying stuff out i can basically guarantee i'll give it at least a shot for a month but whether i stick with it or not that's questionable and i mean i was trying to put together like a list it's not comprehensive but this was like off the top of my head what are all of the streaming and subscription and i guess it's not all streaming but just subscription services that are out there that i encounter regularly right so there's like netflix there's hulu disney plus is going to be here in a couple months we have amazon prime video there's like dc universe that's all kind of shows and movies Um, For that group, there's music stuff, so like Spotify, Pandora, Amazon Music, Apple Music, and then there's games, which is, you know, Xbox Game Pass, PlayStation Plus, PlayStation Now, uh, Nintendo Switch Online, Apple Arcade, and then like MMOs on top of it. You know, if you're paying for like Final Fantasy 14 or
1: World of Warcraft Classic or whatever it happens to be, there's just... There's a lot. Yeah, there's so much. And when you consider things like Fortnite seasons, where people are basically paying that as a subscription, when somebody's really into that game, it might as well be a subscription where it's just like there's so many things that are regularly asking you for money rather than pay once and then be done with it, which is actually one of the things that they did for Dragon Quest XI when it came out, that they, weren't, they made sure to announce that there was not going to be any deal. See for it that you're not going to be asked to subscribe to a season pass or do anything this is what the game is everything that you want is right here and it was after the debacle of uh, final fantasy 15 with it just constantly coming out with new stuff and to me it felt like you needed a subscription for that like the uh like with the season passes and stuff i don't know it's just there's so so much stuff out there right now where i i forget that i'm subscribed to things all the time That that's one of the biggest things for me. I'm
0: good at not forgetting I'm subscribed to things. I in general, if I add one, I usually take one away. Um, but that's not always true. Like if you look at it over the long term, I'm definitely adding them over time, which is kind of worrying, you know? Mm -hmm. Whereas in the short term, right? Like I'll I'll cancel something if I'm like if I'm gonna do Final Fantasy 14, I'll do it for a couple months and I'll cancel it. Or if I know that I'm done with a game or a service, like I'll just put it on pause. So like I'm trying to think what was the last one I did. I guess like right around the time that I was done with HBO, like I canceled that and then I mm. kind of started up Final Fantasy 14 and then when I finished that, I canceled that one. So I'm good about kind of swapping them in and out, but over time I know that the amount of subscriptions I have has just been going up because looking ahead it's like yeah, I'm going to get Disney Plus because there's stuff on there that I want to see for sure, you know, and Will I get Apple stuff? I'll probably try Apple Arcade. Will I keep it or not? I don't know. That's debatable, but I'll definitely give it a shot. And just because I'm so willing to like give things a try, it means that over time I find more and more that I think are worthwhile.
1: And I started out only having Netflix and Hulu that uh, of all the things that I had, those were the only two that I was paying for. I don't actually think we had a prime subscription at the time either, where it was just Netflix and Hulu we cut our we cut the cable we we were paying way too much for it. I was out of work, well, I wasn't out of work, I was adjuncting, which it might as well be out of work and <laughs> it's 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 just we needed the the money down, so we're like, oh, we can pay like sixteen bucks a month, and you know this is what we're using anyway, so it was great, and then. We got Amazon Prime and then we decided that we wanted to do Spotify so that uh, we could have whatever other features there were, I guess, uh, no ads or whatever it was at the time. And we've just slowly added things to uh, the main one that I take off is generally an MMO subscription. The one that I really just uh, pull off and replace with another one is gaming subscriptions, Um, though it's changed now because i pay for ps plus and uh nintendo switch online now i don't have a game pass one but uh i've got the others now where uh those have been added on kind of in lieu of having an ongoing mmo subscription
0: well and it's crazy too that like some of the big name publishers have their own right so like ea has their it's a something pass ea early access ea yeah i don't know what it's called off top of my head because it was never worth it to me i forgot about that Right, and Ubisoft does too. Like, if you want access to all the Ubisoft games right when they come out, you can just subscribe to them as a publisher. So everybody is trying to get in on it. Like, no one is exempt here because it's such a strong model because, well, there's a lot of reasons, but I mean... People can forget about it, right? So they stay subscribed way longer than they think. Mm -hmm. But also, it's like once you hook somebody, the chances of keeping them if you already have them set up with a recurring payment are super high compared to if you have to keep going back to them over and over to get them to purchase again. It's just a completely different business model.
1: Yeah, and that's why things like Patreon have moved to a membership model like this as opposed to straight up looking at it like crowdfunding because, because of that specifically, because of the recurring payment types because of just the mentality around subscribing to something rather than supporting something. And uh, it tends to be more positive when you look at subscription rather than you're pledging for something. Um it, it's a it's a mentality thing, it's a psycho psychological thing and it works. Like their numbers are way up since they moved into that kind of model. And I mean, we didn't even talk about it if people were supporting creators on Patreon or uh the weather brands or projects or anything like that, that I know there are people who basically keep a a stash of money for Kickstarter games, that when they want a new board game or something like that, they'll uh, they regularly check that and, oh, well, this is what I'm using, you know, this discretionary income for, where it might as well be a subscription because they're regularly doing that all the time.
0: Well, and there's like weird examples, too, in the subscription models, which are interesting to pull out. CBS is one that I wanted to highlight because it doesn't really have any content that's unique for it. It's like, it's just CBS content that you can already get on CBS, on like broadcast TV, but nobody watches broadcast TV unless you're super old. Just mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the way it is, right? If you're watching live sports, maybe. If you're not watching live sports, I don't know anybody, like anybody at all, except for super, super old people that regularly are watching broadcast tv when it's coming out right
1: like you said that like i was gonna say well we have broadcast tv now uh because of because of uh working it out with comcast for a cheaper deal but the only time we ever turn it on is either for a premiere or a finale that we don't want to wait for and uh live sports things like marathon coverage or like this weekend it was the serena williams uh finals for the u.s open we watched that live but it's live sports like you said that is that is a, a completely different thing and it's with cbs i think the only things i remember that are are exclusive to cbs or star trek discovery and i think picard is going to be exclusive to uh, the cbs whatever it's called all access
0: yeah because i mean it's all about original content Right, like that's everybody has to have original content. Otherwise, there's no way you can sub, like you can survive this subscription right. model stuff because otherwise, people aren't going to stick with you. I mean, it used to be enough that you would stream stuff. That was Netflix's whole model. People want access to content. We're going to get the rights to the content, and push it out to people, mm-hmm. and they saw this coming way before anybody else that they needed to just start making content that no one else had. So they're ahead of the game. But you can see that like Amazon is doing the same, Disney's doing the same, Apple is doing the same all of them are following that exact same model where we need something unique that we control that nobody else has because that's how you're going to get people on the service. I mean, that is 100% why HBO is spinning up like five spinoffs from Game of Thrones because they don't have Game of Thrones anymore. Like there's Mm -hmm. no reason to stay subscribed to HBO after you've seen it. Well, there are some people who love HBO, but for most of us, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't even want to say regular people. That's not for the masses. For most people who were subscribing to HBO because they got into Game of Thrones, they're probably not going to be the ones watching the on-demand movies. They're probably not the ones who are necessarily watching every HBO show that's being released or the comedy specials. And uh, they're they have to have something to keep those people because they were such a a revenue hog. I mean, revenue hog, that's not the way to put it. They were they were just a a flood of money to them, and of course they're going to do that. And I don't want that. I don't want that much Game of Thrones content. First of all, it's like I kind of burned out on uh on Game of Thrones, not even because the last season wasn't so great, but um it's like I want more original content, but I want actual original content. You know, I don't want more of the same kind of content over and over from these places. Um, so that doesn't make me want to subscribe to uh, to HBO anymore, where some of the like uh, Netflix originals do when they they've put stuff out like Glow and uh, that I never thought I would get into. But it's like it's amazing, and that is worth a Netflix subscription for a while.
0: Yeah, and you know some of the subscription models, if it's tied to a company that does have – I'm trying to think like other live TV instances where people are actually watching. You said premieres, and that's a good one too just because I know – I do know a handful of people that watch things like right when they come out on live Mm -hmm. TV. But that's more of a choice than anything else right now because you can watch it either like within the next hour or two on streaming or you can watch it the next day on streaming, you know? So – I I was just thinking it through. I was saying only really, really old people. But I know my mom watches like premieres as they come out. Mom, I wasn't calling you really old. That's not what I meant. Um, (laughs) Just for the record. But like at that point, it's kind of more of a choice, right? Because usually then you can like you can go to the streaming service and get it the next day or later that same day or something like that. Like outside of live sports and live events, that's that's like the last thing standing for broadcast TV. And I wouldn't at all be surprised if when Disney Plus hits, that's kind of Disney is looking at streaming. There's no question. Disney owns ESPN. This is just the way that it's set up. Whenever Disney is ready to pull the trigger to move ESPN and like live sports over to streaming, just that's that's the death of cable. Like that is going to be the death knell of cable. I promise you. Like it's just not gonna be what it used to be. It already isn't. And but- it
1: won't be immediate. That's the thing. No, it this won't. is not a doom saying, like, oh my goodness, like people were with the Kindles. Like books are gonna be gone next year. It it's not that, but that is the I know so many people who only have Broadcast TV, who keep a satellite subscription because of football season or because of the you know March Madness, because they have to have their live sports. That uh, I know, I know couples who uh, I've been friends with, who uh, the wife and I, I hate to be gendered on this, but in my experience, this is how it how it was. Was say uh, she was saying uh, in this particular couple was like, I just watch Netflix. I don't watch anything on TV, but he has to watch football every weekend. So we have to pay like one hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars, so we can have every football channel. And w- like you said, once that moves and that's no longer only through cable and satellite providers, it's going to be a definite shift in how those kind of subscriptions are consumed. For sure, and we are we are watching them slowly recreate cable
0: with mm-hmm. streaming services. And it's kind of terrifying, and it's kind of just so fascinating for me as someone who studies media, but that's what's happening. We're seeing all this fracturing right now into all of these different streaming services, and just now with Disney+, Plus, we're seeing it begin to start coming together into packages. And that's exactly what happened with cable. Cable was all of these independent channels. You could go and subscribe to like a couple here, one there, one-offs, you know, you could buy channel by channel. And then over time, it was, well, let's bundle them together and get more people to pay for the premium ones that'll help support the ones that don't do as well but we can do more content fund it that way that is exactly what's going to happen with streaming because disney and hulu they're going to come out as a package deal because disney owns all of them right it's just going to happen more and more over time like that conglomeration is only going to increase as we go forward and i don't
1: necessarily think it's a bad thing like i don't want that don't get me wrong. That is not something that I want because I want the choice and I'm hardcore, you know, net neutrality, which doesn't have anything to do with this, but just that freedom of choice, freedom of everything, freedom of information. And so I'm not necessarily against these bundles, but what's going to happen is with these bundles, it's going to be exactly like the channels that you get from cable. You're you're not going to be able to have just what you want. You're going to have they're going to tear it. Like they do with, well, if you want Discovery HD, then you're going to have to sign up for this. And if you want Disney XD, then you have to get our third tier. It's like if you really want Netflix, then you're going to have to get the third tier. But if you just want Epics and Crackle, then you can get it on our lowest tier. It's like that's what I feel it's going to be. And if it were just bundles, I would be okay with it. But business never works like that.
0: No, they want to maximize profits. I mean, that's what they're there for. Right. You know, like that's the incentive of any publicly traded company. Privately traded companies, things are different. But publicly traded companies, like their whole goal is to maximize profits for shareholders, which there's a whole question there about, well, discussion there about capitalism and other things going on. But most of these giant media companies are publicly owned. So it's, it's kind of the way that it is. And... One of the questions that came out of this is like, are we feeling nickeled and dimed by these services or are we feeling like we just have a lot of choice now? And it's weird because I feel both like I'm landing on both sides
1: of that fence at the exact same time. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. It's like I don't mind having the choices. It's uh, it's I like having those choices, actually. I like being able to be like, well, I don't necessarily want to support X, Y or Z. I don't want this one. There's nothing on there right now. Uh, Kind of like I did with TV, li- like we've said. But it's like it bothers me that there are so many of them and it just continues. I mean, I keep multiple ones like you have Amazon Prime, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, I have Amazon Prime for the shipping and then I just get all the other things because but the right. only reason I keep it is because of shipping and I think you're the same way the last time we talked
1: right yeah I'm the same way I keep I keep prime for shipping we do stuff like that occasionally there are other deals that come through it but I don't really watch prime TV or use prime music um, I tend to uh, rent movies on Amazon or buy entire seasons of TV shows that aren't airing anywhere else um, but other than that I don't really use prime TV but I keep that subscription because of the the base value Value for it now, Netflix. I don't watch a whole lot of Netflix either, but I keep it because there are specific shows on there that I'll go back to, and the originals are so good. Like I said, uh, Glow and things like that. When, since they're regularly putting all of this stuff out, I'm okay with keeping Netflix because there's such a wide, wide choice of things to watch on there. It doesn't matter; I'm still going to find something to watch. Hulu. You know, I keep Hulu. I didn't think I was going to keep Hulu forever. Like, Hulu was one Jennifer and I really went back and forth on on getting. Uh, do you have Hulu? Yeah, we do, but this is one that we have it for my wife and not
0: for me. Like, I don't know when the last time was that I watched Hulu, but if you want to watch, like, broadcast shows as they're coming out this is really the only viable option at the moment
1: yes and that's why we have it we have it to watch like well I guess it's the Connors now the the Roseanne reboot that they did after she went crazy uh on well publicly crazy and the uh you know Brooklyn 99 the good place those shows we watch on Hulu now they have Veronica Mars which is awesome but that's an original it's not necessarily a street it's not necessarily a broadcast show that we're watching on there And it's rare that I watch any kind of movie on Hulu. It's just for that one kind of thing. But I have been watching more movies and other shows that have been on Hulu. Like I've watched probably more actual movies on Hulu. Than I have on Netflix recently because they're getting the licensing that Netflix is losing. And I don't know if that's they're paying more money than Netflix is willing to or what it is. But you said that they were Disney owned, right?
0: Yeah. So what's happening right now is that a lot of licensing deals with Netflix are slowly expiring And in the past, when they expired, Netflix would just renew them and maybe pay some more to whoever owned the rights to them. But now all of these individual media companies have seen that the future is streaming and Mm -hmm. they see the value of original content. So when their licensing deals with Netflix are up, they are not renewing. They're just taking them in-house and putting them on their own streaming service. So over time, you're going to see more and more Disney content move over onto all the other... like away from Netflix basically onto either Disney plus or onto Hulu because Disney owns Hulu because they own they own Fox they own uh, ABC they own those might be the two big ones that they own for TV yeah um, CBS is still independent I think NBC is also NBC is owned by Comcast is it that sounds right but I mean even then if you look at it there's only like four or five maybe six major media companies that essentially own everything if you go far enough up the umbrella. Right.
1: And so because of that, I didn't actually realize that Hulu was involved in that. But it makes sense given that uh, what you were saying – well, it makes sense given how everything is working because what I watch on there is like Gravity Falls – and then recently, Jennifer uh, came home and was like, I want to watch Hercules. And it wasn't on Netflix anymore. We don't have it on DVD, apparently. I have it on VHS because I, I got it when it was original. I got it when it was originally out. And I uh, it was on Hulu to stream. It wasn't anywhere else. and But that makes sense because both Gravity Falls and uh, uh, Hercules are Disney properties. So, of course, they're going to be on Hulu. I didn't even realize there was that connection there.
0: Yeah, so I think what they're going to do, and this is just based on things I've heard, I bet Disney Plus is going to be like the premium stuff, right? So the things that are unique and quintessentially Disney. So Marvel, Star Wars, right? Those two are, I mean, Marvel is Disney because it always kind of has been since they bought it up, but then uh, Star Wars because they bought it from Fox, you know, so we're talking like the premium stuff, but then anything else that's quintessentially Disney, so all of their animated classics, all of the like Disney original stuff, that's what's going to be on Disney Plus. And then everything else that they have the licensing to, they'll probably just leave on Hulu. Because if they do it that way, then Disney Plus feels like a premium service and Hulu feels like a everything else service or yeah. like the not as great shows are, but then they can still do package deals around it and they can still offer all of these like let's just say like lower quality shows and movies and stuff on Hulu without degrading the brand of Disney, because you have to be careful of that when you own a brand like that.
1: Yeah. And when you're looking at and when you're charging for something, when you're charging a subscription, you have to be able to justify that subscription, like you said earlier. And that's one way that they can do it is by the appearance of it being premium. And even if it's not, I mean, Hulu has incredibly high-quality content on there, but because when you compare it to The Mandalorian and the new Obi-Wan show, it, Gravity Falls and uh, Hercules don't exactly stand up. Exactly.
0: No, I mean, it's one of those things where when you're doing brand work, like, right, this is me, this is what I do every day. I work in marketing. so. You can extend a brand, you can expand a brand, you can even like cross over sometimes from one of your like core pillar areas where your brand is into another if you do it in the right way. But anytime you do any of those things, you have to be extremely careful that you're not hurting your core brand that already exists. And that is a very, very delicate balance. If I was in charge of Disney, which I'm not, there's people who are making a lot <laughs> more money than me doing that, um, I would I would do the same thing that they're doing. Anything that feels low quality in any respect, that goes on Hulu, like without a question. When I think of just broadcast TV i don't think of disney and i don't think most people do so that's probably what they want to keep separate right any of that broadcast any of that old tv that's just like lower quality right i mean especially when we were churning out 22 24 episode seasons of stuff and like three quarters of it was filler because you had to fill the time yep you don't want that associated with the disney brand you want all this premium content that's oh here's a 10 episode run of the mandalorian and it's new star wars you know that's the kind of thing
1: that you want associated with disney and even Warner Brothers is doing it because remember Friends? That Friends is leaving Netflix this year after they paid an exorbitant amount of money to keep it. And it's going to be on the Warner Brothers uh, or, well, Warner. I don't even remember what the actual media com- companies called the conglomerate. But when Warner does theirs, that's where Friends is going to be. And, you know, I don't care to subscribe to a warner brothers streaming service it's kind of why i'm like opposed to the to the cbs one as well it's like i don't want to subscribe just to cbs guys but warner brothers for some reason makes me even angrier because they don't (laughs) because they it's warner brothers they while they own everything they have so much out there there's nothing where i'm like yeah i'm gonna give warner brothers 9.99 a month and it's like no i'm gonna go buy the friends blu-rays that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy a DVD set and watch these. Because, yes, I go and watch them all the time. Like, I will have friends on for no reason whatsoever. And Jennifer and I will just laugh. And it's just one of those things. But I'm not going to pay Warner Brothers for it, I'll pay Netflix for it but i'm not going to pay warner brothers i'll go out and buy physical media which is what a lot of people i've heard are going to do with certain shows rather than support the a streaming service who knows who, if they'll put their money where their mouth is but it also makes me wonder you know conspiracy theory me makes uh makes me makes me wonder if they're like doing something to try to push people to actually buy stuff again i don't know it's I don't think so
0: because there's this other thing you may have heard of called pirating. Yeah, it's going to go –
1: it went way down and now people are going to be pirating so much more.
0: Yeah, if – once it becomes a headache for people to get easy access to the content they want, if I'm subscribed to five services and I think, oh, hey, I want to see whatever show from 10 years ago – and I go search for it and it's not on the like the five things I'm already paying for but it's on a sixth one you know that's when I'm not going to endorse pirating I'm not going to tell you to go do it but you guys know that that's generally when that kind of thing happens is when it's harder to access content and you're already paying for so many things it's like okay these media companies have a lot of my money already Mm mm-hmm
1: it is. Yeah. And generally, I'm not one to to pirate or necessarily endorse it. But I also am one of those people where when I want to give someone money and they will not take it, like if it is not available for me to give you money, but I can go over here and get it for free. I have done that before where I. It literally does not exist in any way possible that whether it's a a region restriction, whether it's a being out of print or quote unquote in the vault or whatever, if they will not take my money and they make it hard for me to access whatever that content is, I'm going to get it. Even if I have to jump through a thousand hoops to get it, I'm still going to do it out of principle. I guess, but but I I know a lot of people are going to be like that. I'm afraid Disney Plus is going to push a lot of people over that, and we're going to see a rise in piracy again.
0: Yeah, we'll see what happens. I don't think we have reached peak subscription model yet. I think we're getting close. I think it's on the way. I think after that happens, we're going to see interesting backlashes, like, hey, buy this product once and get it forever. But it's it's one of those things where it's so lucrative and it makes so much sense from a business perspective that more and more companies are going to go to it. Right. My toothbrush is on a subscription right now because it makes sense for me. And I like my quip toothbrush. I'm not getting paid to say this, even though, hey, if, quip, if you want to pay us to say it, I will. But um, <laughs> I, I, I didn't know left.
1: about these. I'm Googling it right now.
0: No, I like I. OK, th- so I Again, I'm not going to pay to say this. I just love my Quip toothbrush and like the fact that I don't have to think about getting new toothbrushes every anymore because they send me like a brush head every three months, and mm-hmm. it's like five bucks, right? It's not a big deal, and it's once a quarter, and it's $5, and it's like, oh, you're going to send me a new battery for my electric toothbrush and a new brush head at the same time? That's a perfect use for a subscription model because it takes all the thinking of, did I even remember to do that? Have I been using the same toothbrush for two years? I don't have to think about it anymore. I know it's taken care of. So there are other things where subscription models make sense, right? You have stuff like HelloFresh and Plated and Blue Apron. And like, I'm not doing those super extensively. But
1: I I forgot yeah. like stuff like this, like filter easy to send you air filters. We subscribe to that. We uh, we have a an ongoing Chewy.com order where we get our uh, pet food and kitty litter and stuff like that just delivered because it's cheaper to be able to get all that than go to the store. And heck, we have uh, an Instacart subscription so that we can have our groceries delivered. Like I've been thinking about media, but just the number of subscriptions like like subscriptions in general for services is is on the rise and I didn't even think about it until you mentioned Quip. I've done oh, yeah. Dollar Shave Club before but that was I actually got out of cuz I didn't like the razors as much but it's you're right like Quip is a fantastic idea and I kind of want to do this now. And, well, like I'm uh, doing it
0: for like Harry's Harry's razors right same idea as Dollar Shave Club. Yeah. I think there are a lot of really good uses for subscription models like that. Stuff you're going to buy Anyway, stuff that's easier if you just automate it, you know, hey, I like this brand. I like how it works. I never want to have to think about it again. Just bring it to my door every however many months or weeks or whatever. So I really don't think we've seen the peak yet. I think that is going to be in the future, but I also think that The thing that starts to hurt, the thing that makes people like feel the pain and the the reason that, you know, our listener wrote it as like subscription model madness is when you're subscribing over and over and over to services that do essentially the same thing. Right. It's like if you so you said was it kitty litter or cat food or
1: Uh, both actually Uh, cat food, dog food, uh, pet treats and kitty litter are the things that we get from Chewy.
0: So the way that we are subscribing to like shows and movies right now is if you were subscribing to like three different kinds of cat food through three different kinds of brands all mm-hmm. at the same time. And all of those subscription models were concurrent with each other. Like that's where people start to get upset. And I think that's kind of where the frustration is coming from is that I'm paying to like stream movies and media and content. And now you want me to pick up another one and another one and right. another one, you know? So we'll see how that happens over time, but it'll hit a point where people just don't want to anymore because it's too much.
1: Yeah. It it's, It's true. I hadn't even thought about it, like, in that particular analogy there, where it would be like if I had to get kitty litter from X brand, I had to get... uh and get it subscribed uh, through a subscription. I would have to get the, the dog treats from another one, have to get the chicken free ones that I have to give the foster dog from another one and uh, just manage all of that. You're right. That is that is what we're doing with with media companies.
0: Yeah. I mean, subscriptions, when they're handled correctly, they should make your life Easier and have less to think about. And it's when they go the opposite way that people start to push back on them.
1: And, you know, you said all that thinking about it, that we probably honestly spend more overall because of subscription services. Than we did if we went to the store and got it ourselves because we get it regularly and we get it regularly as we should use it rather than regularly as we think about it. Like, I know you
0: 100% do. That's why the companies do it. And the thing is, it's kind of better for everybody. (laughs) Like, Like, you get it at the rate that you're supposed to. So if you're getting more than you need, you're like, oh, I haven't been swapping my toothbrush enough, right? Like, that's what happened to me, (laughs) basically. But at the same time, it's good for the company because they can sell you things more regularly. They have, like, this – they can anticipate their income better, which lets you as a I'm putting on my business hat again. You can plan your business better if you know how much income you're going to get in any given month because you have all these subscriptions as a baseline to work from. So – like i said if it's instituted correctly and it's for the right product in the right way subscription models can help consumers and businesses but if it's instituted in a bad way it hurts consumers basically not businesses they still get your money
1: but it hurts us as a yeah. as a group and yeah that's something that that Man, just the number I, – I, I'm sitting here, and I hadn't even thought about another subscription that I've got. I'm drinking out of a bottle called a Circle, C-I-R-K-U-L, and I subscribe to water. I didn't even think about this. Like I have a subscription for the Circle Bottle um, that where you get uh, it flavors your water. It's not a filter yet; they're working on that. But it's a a flavor thing that you just refill. And instead of it just being a normal uh, water where you have uh, don't know what's in it, it's got uh, limited ingredients and sweetens your uh, your water and gives it like fruit punch flavor uh, without a lot of the nasty stuff through something like a Crystal Light and all the rest of it. And I pay. $20. a month to be able to get these delivered and just be able to refill my bottle as opposed to having to uh, buy go to the store buy anything like that if I wanted a specific drink like I didn't even realize that I was taking (laughs) drinks while you were talking about this stuff all the subscription madness and I'm like I'm drinking out of I'm drinking subscription water right now
0: yeah yep that's probably a good place to leave that main topic because I don't know where we go from there yeah yeah But... Before we get into uh our weekly geekery, uh what's our geeky offer of the week?
1: Okay, so if you are listening to this on the week that we release this episode, that is September eleventh, two thousand nineteen, you need to go to our Twitter account at Geek2GeekCast and retweet the pinned tweet that we have on our timeline. Follow us, and we are giving away a copy of Borderlands two and bunches of DLC to celebrate the release of Borderlands three. A lot of People are really excited about that. So if you RTR pinned tweet and follow us, we'll DM you a code on Friday. So if on Friday night. So if you are listening to this live, go to our Twitter account and RTR tweet, please. Yeah, and if you guys don't have enough
0: subscriptions already, you can always help us out on Patreon. I feel really weird covering that one in this particular episode we all have too many subscriptions it's but true. if you guys want to support us, that's the way to do it that's all I'll say, it's patreon.com slash Um, unless we have a real nice thank
1: you for the week, I don't know we do, uh, okay sweet So we do, Matthew Neely you are awesome I got an email about your subscription to uh, to us and it made my day, so I hope that this makes your day by knowing that I am so Happy that you're here.
0: It's weird people can subscribe to us. Um, the other thing that I (laughs) wanted to call out is that uh, questions. If you guys have questions, uh, somebody actually reached out in the last week or two and said, you guys never do mailbag episodes. And we do. We do once a year, right around Thanksgiving, because we record ahead of time to have a week or two off in there. So we are starting to collect those questions for our next yearly mailbag episode, where you guys can ask us basically anything. We'll choose whether or not to answer. But I think we've answered every single question we've gotten Yeah, at this I don't point. think
1: we've ever not answered a question. That There's never yep. been anything where we're like, oh man, screw that. But no, we haven't. Never.
0: yeah so if you at me on twitter or if you hit up our gmail address those are probably the two best places but if you really if you like ping me on any of our places and you actually like include me in the you know slack like ping or at me or any of that. I will see it. I will grab it. I will throw it into the show notes. BJ will do the same. And yep. we will gather those up for sometime right around Thanksgiving. And then around the network this week, uh, Geek the with Joe Hogan. He did an episode on WoW Classic with Frazzly from the Frazzlecast. Mm-hmm. They talked all about it. It was super interesting. That was probably one of the best discussions I've heard about WoW Classic at this point. Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. They did an episode on on sleepover and they did an episode on a cinderella story so they've been covering stuff like that lately um Troidal, of course streaming thursday mornings capsule jays streaming tuesdays from 8 to 11 p.m eastern and sometimes thursdays and weekends and then, what was on the geekery this week?
1: On the geekery, Austin's Dragon Quest quest is talking about Dragon Quest Nine, which is one of my personal favorites in the series. It's great. And Thirteenth uh, Story, Bobby's talking about the rewind feature in games, like the Super Nintendo on the Switch and uh, Divine Pulse and uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses, and just how they uh, we interact with them. Like it's a really, really cool discussion about it. Sweet, and you guys can subscribe to that at geek slash subscribe if you want
0: another subscription, and you'll just, like, get those awesome articles to your email. That one's free, so you don't have to feel bad about that one. That's true. Um, <laughs> what do we have for Weekly Geekery this week?
1: Uh, well, this week, um, I w- have actually probably more than anything been playing tennis. Like, a lot of my stuff has been fitness-related this week. I haven't been playing a whole lot of games other than the Super Nintendo Classic. Well, not Classic, but the Super Nintendo uh, on Switch, which I think we're going to cover more uh, next week, but I just like it a lot. But um, we watched the Serena Williams uh, finals for the U.S. Open, and I caught just bits and pieces of the U.S. Open this week, um, which is great that I was able to watch that stuff. It's super entertaining for me to watch Uh, the same week that we got back into playing tennis, that uh, we found that there's a set of tennis courts about five minutes away from us, I think, that have been refinished this week. Like we were the first people to actually play on this uh, this tennis court as it got finished and painted and the net put up and lines painted on and everything that it's super awesome and I'm super glad that we're able to play tennis again and we can do it at like nine o'clock at night which we've actually done a couple of times because there are lights out there and it's just so much nicer than being in the sun. I'm so excited to play tennis again because I haven't done it in like five years and uh, so I've been geeking out about that and then I'm also starting to. Roll Run a lot more now that it's cooling off. And it turns out that I've been eyeing doing a full marathon for the uh, last, like, f- probably at least seriously for the last, like, six months. And I've been like, uh, I'm not running. I don't need to do this. I, I don't need to sign up. I've just been keeping on going back and looking at my bookmarks about it. And then uh, I looked today and uh, we were talking in our Slack creators channel. And it turns out that Capsule J and his wife Rose 262, uh, you might see her as Run Run Rosie or uh, Copper Top on different places. They're both running the Atlanta Marathon, which is one of the ones I was really eyeing because it's about four hours from me. So I signed up for my first marathon uh, today, about an hour before you and I started uh, recording this uh, so I can run it with Capsule J and uh, Rose. So I'm really, really super excited about that and terrified.
0: I'm super excited for you. That'll be really cool, especially to do it with like other people on the network or network adjacent. Um, I know we talked to both of them online in various platforms and social medias a lot so that'll be super cool to hear about once you get to it and you have plenty of time to train it sounds like too right
1: 25 weeks so most of the uh training plans i've seen are about 18 to 20 so with asthma and being lazy and holidays and everything like that i should be should be just fine uh we'll just hope that uh that i can finish it and don't injure myself or something like that i gotta take it easy and normal but uh i actually think with with all the support i have and i i know uh rose is you know running a marathon every month this year uh 12 12 marathons in 2019 so she's done nine of them so far if i need any advice or uh, anything on how to do it i'll be able to ask her cool very cool um i don't
0: have a ton this week i don't have as much as normal just because we're in the thick of busy season at work for my job in my department specifically so um i did watch a couple movies the one i wanted to call out was alita battle angel because i mm. went into this movie expecting like basically nothing at all and it was actually a really interesting setting and it was way better acted than i thought part of that is because christoph waltz was in it and he was like one of the main characters and he's just a really good actor yeah but it was like this sci-fi cyberpunk dystopia world which was fascinating The unfortunate part is that there was this unnecessary love story crammed into it that really hurt the pacing and, like, the overall message of the movie. And then because it wasted so much time on that. The movie just like ends on a cliffhanger and it feels like it expected a second movie and I don't think this movie's getting a second like Aww. a sequel. It just doesn't seem like it based on how well that it actually did at theaters. So it was one that like when I was halfway through I was like, "Wow, this is way better than I thought. I wonder if I'm going to be able to say like, yeah, go watch this movie." I uh, I don't know if there's a second one, if it becomes a duology or a trilo- trilogy eventually. Maybe. But I think you can just like wait until that happens, because I liked it right up until the end when I realized they weren't actually going to finish the story. It was just going to kind of stop.
1: And that stinks because I've actually heard really good things about this movie from people who were in its target audience that it didn't do terribly well in the theater. I don't think. But uh, for, you know, the people who like this, who like the anime or maybe it was a manga, I don't remember. Maybe it was both. But uh, the people who went to see it and knowing what it was loved it. And so I'm looking forward to watching it myself, but I'm kind of the same as you. Like, it makes me sad that it it's a cliffhanger like that because I hate going into a movie knowing that I'm not going to get the end of that story.
0: Yeah, and I didn't realize that until the last like five minutes. I went, wait a minute, they can't finish this in the time remaining. So that was that was a disappointment. Um, something that hasn't been a disappointment though has been I've been like geeking out about the new set that's coming out for Magic. It's Throne of the Eldraine. And they finally started having previews come out, spoiler cards come out, official announcements, that kind of thing. There's a really funny trailer. It's funny. It's cool. It's a different perspective than you normally get for like a CG trailer for a game. Um, So I like that one a lot. I will link it to bj and then we'll get his reaction in another episode um but arena is officially coming out of beta with this release so the sets are rotating and arena is becoming 1.0 right it's becoming okay. a full game so that's cool but throne of the eldraine in general it's a mix of like Grimm's fairy tales and arthurian legends and then give them their own unique spin into one world so it's a new plane it's a new approach to it but i just i've loved all the cards that are coming out because they're twists on like dark fairy tale or like arthurian legends it's just such a cool setting
1: yeah it looks odd but really entertaining the stuff that i've seen for it that uh uh, ninja boy specifically tweeted not tweeted but posted on slack look really cool and there are like storybook frames on the cards where they're introducing new mechanics that way it's just really neat so far
0: Yeah, and it's super thematic, and there's a handful of new mechanics. I think there's three, like, core new mechanics that all of these were missing from Core 2020 because it was a core set, you know? Like, it just wasn't new and exciting in the way that a real, like, normal set is that's not a core set. So I'm excited for these things. And um, they have been previewing it through these pre-constructed brawl decks in Arena. So as soon as they announced it, they put... forward four pre-constructed decks in arena and i just i I think it's a perfect way to preview a new format because you won't get overwhelmed with the cards it's all ones that they've chosen um and you get into the new cards at the same time but i just i'm a sucker for a good pre-constructed deck like i love pre-constructed decks because i don't have to think about building my, my deck which is one of the things that i get frustrated with and i just it's it's like a weak point for me with card games is deck building. So if you give me a bunch of pre-constructed decks that are relatively balanced against each other, I'm going to have a good time with it. So I've been playing
1: those for the last like week, week and a half and they are super fun. I haven't touched Magic Arena in a long time and it's not from being disinterested in it, it's from being a little overwhelmed that i barely played War of the Spark and 2020 is out now and now with Throne of the Eldraine that I'm completely behind and it's going to be a total learning curve again and uh, I'm kind of overwhelmed at the thought of it
0: yeah they did mention so they recently posted one of their like um Mark Rosewater the lead designer of magic he posts like a yearly recap of everything that came out over the last year and what went well, what didn't go well, things they want to improve in the future, things they've learned from it, stuff like that. It's a really interesting article, but it's like a state of design or design recap for 2019 basically. Right. And he said that one of the things that came out of it is they realized that they need to make things more thematic, which is good because I Core 2020 didn't resonate with me the way that the other ones have, and the other ones have been like their best sets ever that they've put right. out. Right. That was something that stuck out. The other thing that stuck out to me that he mentioned was they realize that some of these releases are way too close together and that makes people feel the way that you're feeling right now. Yep. So they're going to try to space them out more evenly in the future, starting in 2020. That makes
1: me really happy because I've never really felt that way about magic before. And, you know, and I think it's probably because I get back into it and I'm looking at the digital stuff. And I'm just like, this is too much. I feel that way about everything. It's why I'm not subscribed to Wild WoW Classic right now. It's just like, well, that's uh, that's going to be a time sink I can't get into. And so having this much new stuff and magic this close together. I can't. I can't do it. So I'm glad to hear that they're going to do that and really kind of alleviate that pain point for me.
0: Yeah, it sounds like after the rotation, after this new set, it'll probably be a decent size gap until the next one. Not too long, but longer than the last few have been. Yeah, it's good. Um, that's probably it for this week. You guys can write to us with comments, suggestions or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com. And don't forget, you can send us questions for the questions episode um, or reach us on Twitter at geek to geekcast We also have longer discussion threads on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast.
1: We have great discussions on Slack and Discord, too. You can go to geek2geekmedia.com for invite links. You can hang out with us, and you can check out all the other content on the network while you're there.
0: I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom, another good place to send questions, on
1: Twitter. Um, that's Green Mushroom without the E's. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beej. That's Beach with two E's. You can send me questions as well and listen to me talk even more on the Dragon Quest FM podcast. We've been Void and Beach with your geek to geek podcast That'll
0: do it for this week. See you next week, Geeks. Hey, Geeks. This is Capsule J. I'm a streamer on the Geek2Geek Media Network. If you like discovering new games and chatting with cool nerdy folks... Be sure to check out my channel on Twitch. You can find it at twitch.tv slash CapsuleJ, that's C-A-P-S-U-L-E-J-A-Y. I stream a blend of indies, retro games, and RPGs most Tuesday nights from 8pm to 11pm Eastern, and occasionally on Thursdays and weekends. Hope to see you then!
1: Hi, my name is Joe Hogan. And I'm a geek. And if you're currently listening to this, there's a good chance you're a geek, too. So check out my podcast, Geektitude. Each week, I talk with somebody about their geek aptitude. Sometimes I talk to people in a geeky profession.
0: Sometimes it's someone doing something really cool with their geekiness. Often it's another geeky podcaster. But it's always someone who wants to share their inner geek. So join me each week as we come together to geek out about all the geeky stuff we love. And remember, this week, keep it geek. Hello friends, this is Troidal Power inviting you to join me over on Twitch most weeknights, sometime after dinner. Video games have always been a social hobby for me, with friends and family crammed together on a couch chatting away while someone holds the controller. And thanks to the power of the internet, I've got my own virtual couch over on Twitch, where you can kick back and goof off while I play games. Find me on Twitch by searching Troidal Power, that's T-R-O-Y-T-L-E Power, to snag a spot on the couch. Hello, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea. And together we are Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea, a podcast all about pop culture. We talk about books, movies, music, basically anything we want at this point. Yes, we obsess about K-pop. And Keanu Reeves. And sometimes Katie cries on the podcast. Hey, that's rude. But really, we are just here to talk about all the things that we love. So make sure to head over to TeaTimeWithKC.com and geek 2 to check us out. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to our show wherever you download your podcasts.
1: Bye! Bye.